Chapter Twenty Two of Northwest. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Northwest by Harold Bindloss. Chapter Twenty Two. Deering takes counsel. A Canadian hotel is something of an inexpensive club. People who sleep elsewhere come for meals and a number come to smoke and talk. In western towns their manners and clothes are marked by sharp contrasts, but so long as they observe a few primitive rules, nobody inquires if they are customers of the house. In consequence, when Deering stopped in front of an ambitious building, he was not at all embarrassed. The noise he heard indicated that the rotunda was occupied, but while some of its occupants were, no doubt, important citizens, he expected to find lumbermen and miners from the bush whose clothes were like his. Pushing round the revolving doors, he went in, waited until he saw the clerk was engaged, and then went upstairs. A noisy electric elevator was running, but Deering thought he would not bother the boy. On the second landing he opened a door. An electric lamp threw a strong light about the room, and a gentleman leaned back on a hardwood chair and rested his feet on the ornamental radiator. He was dressed like a prosperous citizen, and he gave Deering a keen glance. "'Hello,' he said. "'Have you been in the woods?' "'Looks like that,' said Deering. I want a razor and a bath. Then I want a suit of clothes, the biggest standard size. I doubt if the clerk and bellboys saw a bushman come up, but if they did so, I'd sooner they didn't see him come down. I can fix you, said the other, smiling. All the same, I expect you must get a barber to finish the job. When Deering used a glass, he admitted that his friend's remark was justified, but so long as he looked like a wild man from the woods, to recline, wrapped in a white sheet, in a barber's front window had obvious drawbacks. As a rule, a North American barber carries on his occupation as publicly as possible. He got a bath, and when he returned to his friend's room, Nielsen gave him a cigar, and they began to talk. "'Very well,' said Nielsen. "'I can get the money for you, and will soon fix up the other matters. I have sent for some clothes and booked your room. But you look as if you'd hit some adventures in the woods, and I'd rather like to know—perhaps you've noted something in the newspapers about a game warden's getting shot?' The colonist printed a short paragraph. I imagined the police edited the story. Old Man Salter knows his job, although the shooting was on the Royal Northwest's ground. Anyhow, the tale left you to guess. But were you in it? Sure thing, said Deering, dryly. I'll tell you. When he finished his narrative, Nielsen knitted his brows. He was frankly an adventurer but he had his code, and Deering trusted the fellow. Moreover, Nielsen knew men, and particularly men who lived by exploiting others' weaknesses. 
"'I'm not a hunter. We'll cut out the shooting and concentrate on the gang,' he said. "'I want to get Stannard right. His occupation's ours?' "'Something like ours,' Deering agreed. "'We play a straight game because we know a straight game pays. I've spotted Stannard using a crook's cheap trick, but he doesn't bet high at cards.' His line's financing extravagant young suckers. Then he's rich? I think not. Not long since he wanted money. My notion is he's got a partner in the old country who supplies him. Stannard's something of a highbrow and a smart clubman. He has qualities. I rather like the fellow, although I know him. What about the girl? Does Stannard use her? Not at all, said Deering. Miss Laura's straight. I doubt if she really knows her father's occupation. Maybe she's ambitious and calculating, but she's not his sort. Is Leyland much in Stannard's debt? Stannard's an expensive friend, but I guess he wanted Jimmy for Laura and didn't take all he might. Still, I expect Jimmy owes a useful sum, and Laura's going to marry Dillon. Ah, said Nielsen, perhaps that's important. I reckon Stannard has got Leyland insured? Deering nodded. He saw where Nielsen's remarks led, and on the whole, agreed. He had given the fellow his confidence because he wanted to see the arguments another would use. Well, resumed Nielsen, what about Dillon and your guide? Dillon was not in the woods. I don't know much about the guide. Bob's a queer fellow and is not all white. Then he has a pick on Jimmy. I reckon he took a shine to the rancher's daughter, who is now Jimmy's girl. Jealousy bites hard, and I wouldn't trust a breed, Nielsen remarked. Well, perhaps we have got Bob's object. Let's study Stannard's. Leyland's wanting the ranch girl wasn't in his plan, and when he knew Miss Stannard meant to marry Dillon, he'd make another. Leyland owes him much, can't pay yet, and is insured. Let it go in the meantime and weigh another thing. Leyland doesn't altogether know if he shot the warden, but if he did shoot him, he thought him a deer. All the same, he pulled out. Is the boy a fool? Is his nerve weak? Jimmy's clean grit, said Deering. Still, he is a boy. Then it's possible he got rattled. Suppose when he was rattled, an older man he trusted put it up to him that he ought to light out. The kid wouldn't ponder, he'd start. That is so, said Deering. Stannard did talk like that. Nielsen shrugged meaningly. Very well, I'm through with my argument. If we could find Warden Douglas, he might tell us something useful. I'll try. Deering thought the plan good. Nielsen was a gambler, but his word went. In fact, Deering imagined it sometimes went with the police. 
Nielsen knew the half-world, and now that he had undertaken an awkward job, strange helpers would be put to work. When he had lighted a fresh cigar, he resumed, I don't see your object for hiding in the woods. Sometimes I'm romantic. You don't know me yet, Deering said, and laughed. Jimmy's my pal. When I came near getting a fall that would have knocked me out, he held me up. Then I was born a bushman, and the bush calls. I like it in the woods, and I'm keen about the detective game. He stopped and went on in a thoughtful voice. The strange thing is, when Jimmy went over the rocks, Stannard went after him. Snow and stones were coming down, but he stayed with the kid. That was when it looked as if Miss Stannard would marry your pal said Nielsen, meaningly. Well, I wouldn't bother about the police. Watch out for Stannard. Somebody knocked at the door, and Nielsen, getting up, came back with a parcel. Your clothes, he said. Deering put on the clothes and packed up Jardines to be thrown into the harbor. For a few days he stopped at the hotel and then Nielsen admitted that his inquiries about Douglas had not carried him far. "'We know where he is, and he's very sick, but that's all,' he said. "'The police mean to use him, and he can't be got at.' "'Then I'll start for the woods,' said Deering. "'The trouble is to hit the proper line. "'It's possible the police are willing to leave me alone,' but I mustn't help them get on to Jimmy. In the morning he started for New Westminster, although this was not the line to the mountains. At Westminster he vanished in the meadows along the Fraser, and soon after a time turned north into the woods. In order to rejoin Jimmy he must follow the great river gorge, and at mission he risked getting on board the cars, Nobody bothered him, and at length he labored one evening up the rugged valley in which was the shack. He had bought a skin coat and carried a heavy pack, but he was not warm. The sky was dark and threatening, the ground was hard, and a bitter wind shook the tops of the stiff pines. Deering thought snow was coming and pushed on as fast as possible until he saw a gleam of light. A big fire threw a cheerful glow about the shack, and Jimmy occupied a pile of branches by the snapping logs. He had pulled a blanket over his shoulders, but when he heard Deering's step, he jumped up. Deering dropped his load, straightened his back, and looked about. "'Where's the Indian?' "'He's gone,' said Jimmy. I expect he had enough. In fact, I'd begun to feel I'd had enough, and when I heard your step, my relief was pretty keen. Oh, well, said Deering. Let's get supper, and then we'll talk. When he had satisfied his appetite, he narrated his adventures and his meeting Laura and Dylan. If you want Frank, he's your man, and he might be useful he remarked. 
"'Then I reckon Miss Laura's willing for him to help. Your friends are good.' "'That is so,' said Jimmy, looking at Deering hard. "'My friends are better than I deserve. But what about Douglas? Did you find out much?' Deering admitted that he did not, but when he talked about Nielsen he used some caution. Since Jimmy trusted Stannard, there was no use in trying to warn him. Sometime he would get enlightenment. "'On the whole, I think the police knew I was at Vancouver,' he said. "'Their plan was to hit my trail when I started back. I don't expect they did so, but it's possible. Anyhow, now the Indian's gone, and a cold snap threatens, we have got to quit.' My plan's to start for your ranch. The ranch is not far from the railroad. Its being near the track has some advantages. Since the police searched the spot, I guess they're satisfied. Then we want food, and packing supplies for a long distance is a strenuous job. The Indian could move a useful load, but to carry fifty pounds across rocks and fallen trees makes me tired. "'A rifle, a blanket, and twenty pounds is my load,' said Jimmy, and resumed in a thoughtful voice. "'Yet I started for the plains.' Deering used some control and let Jimmy's remarks go. "'You could not have made it,' he said quietly. "'But what about our jumping off?' "'We'll talk about it again,' Jimmy replied. "'I suppose we must go, but now you're back, I don't want to bother. "'You brace me up. "'Until I heard your step, I felt down and out.' "'He threw fresh wood on the fire, and soon afterwards they went to sleep. "'Jimmy's sleep was broken, and when he woke at daybreak he shivered. He did not want to get up, but he must fetch water. The kettle handle stung his skin. The pools on the creek were frozen, and he saw the snow had moved five or six hundred feet down the rocks. Rose-pink light touched the high peaks, and hoar-frost sparkled on the pines, but the stern beauty of the wilds was daunting. Jimmy wanted the deep valleys up which the soft Chinook blew. When he went back, Deering was occupied at the fire. He looked up and remarked with a twinkle, "'The cold is pretty fierce. If we're going to stay, you'll want a skin coat and another blanket.' "'When we have got breakfast, we'll start for the ranch,' Jimmy replied. End of chapter 22 Recording by Roger Moline